passage today is from Luke chapter 9, verses 51 to 62. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, and he sent messengers on ahead who went into Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. So let's pray for Daniel, who is a godly man and has a big heart for God and a prayer warrior. Oh, Lord, you said something to your disciples. We read about it. And now it's time for us to hear from you through Daniel what you want to say to us. Open our hearts and ears, and let's meditate on your word, and be with Daniel. May your words be his words. Lord, in Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you for Daniel preaching for us today. Hello? Okay. Thank you very much for the prayer email. Uh, okay. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. So, uh, in the passage, we found that Jesus did four things. Uh, the very first thing he did is that he rebuked his disciples. The second thing he did was he rejected a follower. The third thing he did is that he calls another one immediately. And the fourth thing he did is that he advised the fourth one. So these are four different things we find Jesus Christ doing at the same time. Have you ever found yourself in a position where you are being rebuked? You're being rejected. You're being called. 
or you're being advised. Or have you ever found yourself in a position where you're rebuking people, you're calling them, you're advising them, or whatever? Whether we find, whether we find ourselves in any of these positions, what is very important is the motive behind this intention or the, the, what is driving this intention is very important. Is the intention genuine? That's the very first question that as Christians we must ask ourselves. Are our intentions genuine or are they pretense or are they of ignorance? Is it of are intentions just or are they unjust? Are they born from a point of partiality or impartiality? Are they from fair evaluations or are they from biased evaluations? Are our intentions coming from a religious point of view, a point of race, or are, are they driven by a social or political class distinction? Are our intentions born of love or are our intentions born of hatred? These are some of the questions that we must always ask ourselves before we proceed with the things we are doing. Our intentions are very important because our intentions are what are going to, is what is going to attract our reward from Jesus Christ. It is what is going to determine whether Jesus Christ is going to call us, reject us, rebuke us, or advise us. So our intentions are very important. I want us to pray. Free our hearts, O God. Free our hearts, O Holy Spirit. Free our hearts to follow you, O Father to serve you in spirit and in truth. To treat everyone fairly and not to misjudge people. Almighty God, we pray that let our intentions be genuine and born of love. Let your light shine in our hearts, O oh Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So when I was told I have to share the word today with you, I was thinking what I was going to be talking on. I thought of my favorite passages in the Bible. I thought of a passage which I could use maybe to excite people or maybe to make people be very motivated to exalt you. I thought of several different passages in the Bible I could use and I could successfully use them. But my conscience and I was my conscience was not in peace with me, because it would have been like a show for me to come here today. So I decided to go through the Bible calendars for so many churches, and I found that this particular scripture is what was uh, being preached in so many places, and I was so comfortable with the scripture. So that's why I chose the scripture for today. So, we find Jesus Christ, just like in our days today when it's time for people 
or when people sense that it's time for them to be taken up or for, it's time to them it's time for them to leave the world they start putting things together they either call their children they set one or two things up and they're getting ready to leave the world we see Jesus Christ doing the same thing here the bible says that his face was steadfastly set on to Jerusalem. It means nothing could stop Jesus Christ from going to Jerusalem. Jesus Christ was focused on going to Jerusalem. So, as usual, he would send messengers ahead of him. What happened this time around? The messengers went into a village of Samaria. In a Samaritan village, a tribe which Jesus Christ was a couple of weeks or maybe a couple of months before Jesus Christ was with these same people and these people begged him not to leave, to stay some more days with them. But it came to this point whereby his disciples went there to prepare a place for him, but he was rejected. He was not received by these people. You begin to wonder why would they not receive Jesus. But the answer is very simple. Jesus Christ was going to Jerusalem and they never wanted Jesus Christ to go to Jerusalem. Why did they not want Jesus Christ to go to Jerusalem? That's the question. A lot of things can be, a lot of pundits can come up with different ideas or different things, but it's clear that probably they knew what was probably going to happen to Jesus Christ when he gets to Jerusalem because Jesus Christ has been talking about his death uh, several times and what would happen to him in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is a place which was believed that the prophet should die in, not out of Jerusalem. So, were these people probably aware of what was going to happen to Jesus or probably... They wanted Jesus Christ to stay with them and not go to Jerusalem because Jerusalem is a place where probably the Samarians, the Samaritans were treated as second class. Now, I want to give you a brief history of this particular city of Samaria. The city of Samaria is the biblical old city, which is mentioned in the book of Genesis chapter 34. It's called Shechem. And in the book of, in the book of Genesis, it says that the sons of Jacob made uh, Jacob made a covenant with the people of Shechem that they should get circumcised and when they get circumcised the people of Shechem can intermarriage with their with his children and his children can get married with the people of Shechem but what happened is that on the third day after the circumcision the sons of Jacob went into the city and slew and killed all the males of Shechem so in the book of John, we are told that Jesus Christ must go through Samaria. It was a must. Jesus Christ was not going through Samaria when he met with the woman at the world because he chose to go through Samaria, but it was a must. It was necessary for Jesus Christ to go through Samaria because it was to fulfill a particular thing that had happened in the past. So Jesus Christ had been to Samaria and now we see that Jesus Christ has been rejected or not been, Jesus Christ has not been received in Samaria because he was supposed to go to Jerusalem. 
So were these people also thinking that maybe this prophet who had been here with us, who had shown us the love of God, who had preached to us in the past, who has prophesied, and probably the Bible never told us if he actually healed people there or he delivered people there. But Jesus Christ stayed with them some days, and it's impossible to say that Jesus Christ would stay there for some days and not heal their sick or deliver those who were possessed. Jesus Christ did all this in Samaria, I believe. So, but these people didn't receive Jesus Christ and they were supposed to have been met with a disproportionate response from James and John. Why would James and John choose to call down fire to wipe out an entire village? That's the question. Why would they choose to do that? We are wondering why they would do that. And sometimes we think that maybe James and John were being wicked or some other thing. But the question is, how many times have we misjudged people? Misjudged people's intentions. And then we respond in a way that is not proportionate to what they think. Or we misunderstand them and we respond to them wrongly. How many times? As children of God, these are the things we are supposed to avoid at every point in time. We have to guide our consciences and make sure that everything we are doing, we should do it with the love of God. But sometimes our bodies, our minds will take us to some other dimensions which we don't even desire to go to. James and John... These two disciples were with Jesus Christ when Jesus Christ was rejected in Nazareth, but they didn't call down fire. Why would they call down fire on the people of Samaria? Why would they call down fire on the Samaritans? Sometimes things happen to us, but because these things, they do happen to us and we feel that, oh, it's this person, we don't want to react, but if it's this person, we react. Sometimes we discourage or we we turn down people's ideas, not because the ideas are wrong, but probably because it's who is actually saying these things, who is actually bringing up this idea. We go after people, we don't go after what they intend to do. Jesus Christ and his two disciples and his two disciples at this point were not in agreement. And the Bible says Jesus Christ rebuked them for wanting to call down fire on Samaria. And it is possible that these two disciples were thinking, oh, come on, who are these guys? These are maybe second-hand, second-class citizens, and they are trying to stop our master from proceeding, or they're rejecting our master. Who are they? Imagine, I'll give you a scenario. Imagine the mayor of this town is moving down the street into the old city. And a group of us foreigners, we decide to go to tell him, oh, mayor, you cannot pass through this place. How do you think the Turkish people are going to respond to us? So it's kind of a similar scenario here, whereby these disciples probably, probably, had judged that the Samaritans had no right to reject or to refuse to receive Jesus Christ. 
without even thinking what their intentions was, without even knowing why they wouldn't receive Jesus Christ. Are we finding ourselves in such positions in the way we do things today, in the way we treat people around us? We have to be careful in order that one day Jesus Christ will not be there to rebuke us or to reject us. So as Jesus Christ continued to move down to Jerusalem or to go up to Jerusalem, the Bible says that the first follower said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And the response of Jesus to this follower is very, very important because the response of Jesus demonstrated the need of this person who wants to follow him. Is it possible that this person never had a place to stay? This person never had family. This person never had people he could look up to. So it's clear from the response of Jesus that the intention of this follower was not genuine, probably, because this guy wanted a place where he could lay his head. And we see Jesus Christ turning immediately to the next person and saying to the person, follow me. So how do you feel if you ask somebody, I want to follow you out, follow you, and the person rejects you, gives you such a response, and turns to the next person and said, follow me? So, the second person never told Jesus he wanted to follow Jesus. But we know from the scriptures that this person, his father had just died. And his father was being laid in state. And this person still had to come out to come and see Jesus. So, it gives you an idea of how much this person desired to hear the words from Jesus. It gives you an idea of how much this person loved Jesus. And he came up to Jesus, and Jesus said to him, follow me. But he said, Lord, I would like to go and bury my father first. Of course, Jesus Christ never permitted him to do so. And the third person who was standing there said to Jesus Christ on his own, Lord, I would follow you, but first let me go and say goodbye to my household. You know, there was a day I came uh, a couple of, I think, one year ago or when after the coronavirus uh, restrictions were were taken out and I came to church. Uh, I was sitting behind. And then uh, I was moved in my, something said, look up. And I looked up the stage and I saw the person leading worship. And uh, something said to me, uh, she has five children. She has five children. Five children all under the age of six. But then she has time to come here to set up the stage to prepare and practice and lead worship. And while I stood there, I was looking in front and I was wondering, 
And then I remembered always asking Jim, why is it that a lot of people always say, I don't have time to do this or I don't have time to do that? I cannot get engaged to help the church, maybe because of my children or maybe because of my work or maybe because of uh, so many other reasons. But the thing is that no matter how much we try to bring up these excuses, we can always make time for the work of God. We can always make time to support the gospel. We can always make time to volunteer in one way or another because we understand that all the people putting up the things here together are not being paid for. So if we actually want this church to grow stronger, every member in this church must help in one way or another to see that the activities of the church is advancing. It is not time to say you'd go back home to say goodbye to your family, but at least you're here with your family, or probably. A lot of people have left homes, left families, and they are here today, and they are doing the work of God. So let's make sure that at the time Jesus Christ is putting those instructions in our hearts, we are not making excuses. So the third person says, I want to go home and say goodbye to my family. One thing which is clear among these three people is that Jesus Christ was treating them based on their intentions. Jesus Christ responded to each and every one of them based on what they hold dear. The question we have to be asking ourselves as Christians is that, what is driving my intentions? Is it genuine? Is it love? Is it hatred? Is it unfairness? We have to understand these things from the point of our hearts and then we act upon them. If your intentions are not being genuine or if your intentions are not being of love or if your intentions are not being from a fair point of view, then you have to review it and you have to leave it. Because I want to tell you something. Nobody, nobody can pretend before God. Nobody can pretend before God. And this should be the base of what is driving your relationship with God. If you understand that you cannot pretend before God, then you would understand that at every point in time, you have to be right with God. There is no pretense with God, people. If you are faked, you have to review your intentions and be genuine. If your intentions are from partial evaluations, you have to re review them and take a different course. There is always time for us all to move on the right path. There is always time for, all, for us all to make those amends which are necessary. Because we cannot and we would never pretend before God. This is very important for us all to consider. Let's pray. I just want you to open your hearts to God. You know best 
what your relationship with God is, what your intentions have been all about. Is it treating people fairly? Is it looking down on people? Whatever your intentions have been, I just want you to lift up your hearts to God at this moment. Be merciful to us all, O God, for your love endureth forever. Father, we pray that in your love, O God, you would direct our hearts and you would take control of our intentions. Almighty God, Let your love lead us. Let your love lead us, O God. And let your word be our driving force. Teach us the things we should do and how we should do them. That, Lord, we would not find ourselves in opposite place with you. But that, Lord, by your grace, we will be able to stay in your presence and remain under the protection of your power. Father Lord, we depend on you. We rely on you. We look up to you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.